0: Starbucks is closing its bathrooms to homeless people and to other non-paying customers. Yeah, Starbucks finally figured out that it's not good for business to open up your bathrooms to anybody, including non-paying customers, including homeless people who live down the block. We'll get to that coming up. A New York court has ruled that an elephant is not a human. You cannot make this stuff up. Uh, Yeah, an elephant is not a human. Uh, That's been a court decision, so we are going to get to that. The media completely buried the Brett Kavanaugh story, that gunman who tried to literally assassinate Brett Kavanaugh and his family at his home. The media ignored it. They buried the story, and we are going to play you a clip of liberal commentator Bill Maher blasting the New York Times, blasting the media. Plus, I have a bunch of other clips. I have a clip of Biden's new press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, we're going to play for you, where she was asked about the baby formula crisis, and she was just completely stumped, completely speechless, literally 20 seconds of dead silence. Um, All right, so President Biden has no... By the way, Ocasio refused to endorse Joe Biden for 2024. Ocasio-Cortez was asked, will you commit to endorse President Biden if he runs again in 2024? And Please, let's hope that he does not run again. And Ocasio-Cortez refused to say, yes. so we're going to get to that. But there is zero plan to fix the economy. They have nothing. They have nothing. There's nothing they're going to do. And Biden's policies are a disaster for the economy. And there is no game plan here. Now the Fed is raising interest rates. So that makes the money not flow as freely, basically, The issue is very simple. It's good old supply and demand, right? So there's too little supply, too much demand that leads to massive skyrocketing inflation. The Fed now is raising interest rates. This is the first time since 1994 that the Fed has raised interest interest rates by 0.75 percent, and they're just going to keep raising them as, as far as anybody can tell so that the money doesn't flow as freely. Now, that's going to be very painful in the, in the short term, especially mortgage rates are skyrocketing. Remember back when mortgage rates were pretty low a few months ago, well, and under Trump especially, but not anymore. And the problem is that the Fed can raise rates from today till tomorrow. It still does not increase supply, okay? They've got it's still the supply chain issues are still such a mess. And obviously, Oil production. Biden refuses to give these give out these new permits and these new licenses to oil companies to allow drilling in the United States. He he refuses to open the Keystone Pipeline. He refuses to open up the American reserves. Now he's going. So so so. They're literally. There just is no game plan here. They're just stumped. I mean, you can blame Putin from today till tomorrow. They don't care. They're throwing Biden under the bus. Biden's legacy is going to go down. His numbers are in the tank. I mean, his numbers are in the sub-seller, Joe Biden, worst ever in terms of approval ratings at this point of the presidency, as you'd expect. And that's already like a done deal. We don't care. Yeah, Biden's legacy is finished. But as long as we can create a massive economic crisis, because it's going to help the socialist agenda, clearly that's the the only game plan here. And the only bright side is that Biden is going to lose by a landslide in 2024, I mean, I don't care if if Biden runs against a coffee cup with the letter R on it. I mean, to, to, to paraphrase Nancy Pelosi, Biden doesn't have a fighting chance against, you name it, any generic Republican. I don't care if there's like a, like a 14 like a year old running as a Republican against Biden. But now Biden's going to meet with Saudi Arabia. By the way, the hypocrisy. Remember when Biden called MBS? He called the head of Saudi Arabia uh, a pariah. And 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 look, I have no problem with Joe Biden, with the president of the United States, going to meet with the head of Saudi Arabia. Yes, the MBS, the leader of Saudi Arabia, he's a vicious person. I mean, like he tortured his own cousins when he was consolidating power power in Saudi Arabia. They went and rounded up like all these wealthy members of the royal family, the Saudi royal family, and he decided he was going to be in total control. They called it. They were they were cracking down on corruption. They literally – this man MBS, he put a bunch of his own cousins, no no exaggeration, in a hotel – and dangled them upside down from the ceiling and tortured them, you know, just to to make sure that he consolidated power for himself. He's not a good man, okay? I'm I'm not a fan of MBS, but Jared Kushner and President Trump, they cut deals with him. You know why? Because he's powerful, he's influential. The United States needs him very, very badly, needs Saudi money strategically, needs to have a military partnership. The Saudis and Israel now have... These diplomatic relations, maybe it's still not official, but everybody knows, wink, wink, that, you know, they share intelligence and that they both share a kind of enemy in, in Iran. But the problem is when Trump cuts deals with Saudi Arabia, he gets attacked. Okay. Biden, uh, uh blasts Trump for it. But then the hypocrisy when, when Biden goes and meets with MBS, um, because I have no problem meeting with MBS, but don't, uh, my problem is with the hypocrisy with the double standard, how you blame Trump and you bash Trump and then you go and do the exact same thing again. The re- the reason is it doesn't mean that you're condoning all the human rights abuses that happen in Saudi Arabia. It just means he's somebody we desperately need. So what he does domestically in his own country, you, you just have to look the other way. You simply you can't operate. You can't be the president of the United States if you're not prepared to do that. But um, here's the thing: Biden's going to go and beg Saudi Arabia to produce more oil to try to bring down the price of oil. Now. Why is that not bad for the environment? Remember, Biden, there's so much more oil drilling that could be happening in the United States. And people who tell me, listen, why are the oil companies not drilling right now? It's because Biden has basically threatened them. Biden has threatened them. With all sorts of taxes, you know, Biden, he's made it very clear that he wants to make it very difficult for the oil companies and, and cut into their profits. So, like, the last thing they're going to do is increase their oil production, even the, even the existing ones, not to mention that Biden, there are a lot of permits that people are waiting for. Biden, they slow walk the oil perm the, the, the process for, 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 for oil drilling companies in the United States. So, Biden has been a disaster when it comes to domestic United States production of oil. Why? Because he's pandering to Ocasio. And to the radical left on the environment. But here's the thing. When the Saudis drill for oil, right? We were buying Russian oil. Why is that not bad for the environment? Think of the hypocrisy. You know, when China drills for oil, it's only when the United United States drills for oil that they're suddenly worried about the environment. It's the same environment. You know, it's the same climate. The, The whole world, we're all in this together. So India, China, the Saudis, that's okay, right? The answer is, That, in fact, it's even worse because those other countries, they don't care about the environment. At least the United States, they have a much cleaner process when they, when they drill for oil and, and for natural gas. So it's actually, it's, it's actually worse for the environment when we import oil from these other countries. But of course, that, that is Biden wanting to crush the United States oil companies and of course pandering to Ocasio Cortez. All right. So Starbucks is ending its open bathrooms policy they, they finally realized wait a second this is not the best thing for business when people i literally heard a story somebody once walked into a starbucks bathroom in uh i believe it was in new york city and there was a homeless person who actually took up the the living dwelling in the bathroom the, the, there was somebody homeless actually living inside the starbucks bathroom and now howard schultz the ceo of starbucks he says you know what um we have to protect the safety of our customers. Now, by the way, that's not really why. That's not even the truth. The reason he's doing it is because it's bad for business. Uh, and, and Starbucks, after they – it doesn't take – you would think it doesn't take like a business genius to figure out that if if you open up your bathroom – a number of years ago, we'll get, we'll get into this. We, we spent a lot of time on this back then where Starbucks decided they changed their policy. Instead of having to be a paying customer to use the bathroom, anybody who wants can just come into a Starbucks anytime and use – a Starbucks bathroom—it's open to the public—and it, it was a woke, it was a totally woke policy, and and, and they did it um, to show that they basically weren't racist, as I'm going to get to here in a minute. If you remember the story, when the, when 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 a manager called the cops on two black. Starbucks customers because they were using the bathroom and the manager thought they weren't paying customers. Turns out they were, but that's not really the point. So Starbucks now wakes up and it turns out that they had a major drop ever since they instituted that policy. Starbucks had a major drop in profits. I mean, uh, fewer people were coming to buy coffee. And this is pre-COVID, by the way, and especially a huge drop specifically near homeless shelters. Starbucks that were located. Remember, a lot of these Starbucks, they're in these very urban areas. They're in these cities where there's like lots of homeless people. So why not? Hey, you know, need a, need a bathroom. Perfect. We'll just go to a Starbucks. We don't have to buy anything. We can just use their bathroom. But uh, near the homeless shelters, that where they that's where they specifically had the largest drop in business and in revenue and in profits. Well, what a shock. I mean, hello. Yeah. If you let any mentally ill person or homeless person or any just vagrant off the street just come in and use the bathroom all day long. That's not going to be very enticing and appealing for customer, for paying customers who want to come in and have a pleasant, clean experience. I mean, it, it, like this doesn't take a genius, right? So meanwhile, but Starbucks says we have to do it for the safety of our clientele. It's not for the safety of their clientele. Yeah, technically that's what it is, but that's not what it is. It's for the money, okay? It's about the money. Like somebody made the point, Starbucks is an extremely woke Company, remember when they said they were going to hire ten thousand refugees after uh, after President Trump instituted his travel ban, and, and, and yet Starbucks, they actually a few months ago they tried to suppress Starbucks employees from joining unions, from unionizing. Well, isn't unionizing isn't that like a very liberal cause? Isn't that something that liberals like Starbucks are supposed to like? And the answer is yeah, except when it cuts into it comes into their profits because they're just total total hypocrites. But the the reason essentially that this whole thing started was because a few years ago there were two black customers they were sitting waiting for their friend and uh, they were using the bath and they weren't ordering and the manager said he got order and Basically, the manager called the cops on them. It turns out they were just waiting for their friend. And it turns out that they were really paying customers. But then Starbucks got accused of racism. So then they had to decide. They decide, oh, well, now we have to change our whole policy. And basically anyone's allowed to use the bathroom anytime. It's absurd. You know, and and, and somebody made a comment, made a point to me like, well, where's your sense of compassion? I mean, if somebody's homeless or somebody has issues, does, you know, is is, is impoverished and, and is poor, shouldn't Starbucks let them? use the bathroom for free. Number one, I mean, you can't – it's not practical. You can't just open up your house and just let everybody in, use the bathroom for free. I mean that's just simply not a practical, very practical thing to do. But in addition, this is not helping. You know, you got to love how these liberals, they think they're helping. They let these homeless people run around rampant and and destroy these cities – and do drugs and everything else, and they act like, oh, they're, they're the ones who are compassionate. It's it's the exact opposite. That's not compassion. Compassion is getting these people help. The liberals, they're not getting these people help. They're letting these people – they're enabling these people because all they're doing is just – they just keep doing more of the same. And they're, they're just making their, their lives worse and not better, not to mention harming everyone else around them in society. All right, so a New York State court has ruled – that Happy the Elephant is not human. This was an elephant, Happy the Elephant. This is an elephant in that's in the Bronx Zoo. It's been in the Bronx Zoo for like 40 years, and apparently it's it's an intelligent elephant, okay? I, I'm, I'm not saying... Now, the elephant may be smarter than Ocasio-Cortez, but that's not really saying very much. But apparently this is a very smart elephant, and I guess somebody decided that this elephant is lonely and depressed. So literally an animal rights group... Uh, you can't make this stuff up. An animal rights group sued the Bronx Zoo saying you've got to release this elephant legally speaking this elephant deserves to be released and they tried to invoke habeas corpus i kid you not the lawsuit that was filed on behalf of happy the elephant saying you got to release this elephant by some crazy lunatic animal rights group they're saying it violates habeas corpus habeas corpus is uh, uh, of course the uh, the rule that you're not allowed to uh, you're not allowed to imprison somebody for no reason it, it, it the habeas corpus is not for animals; it's for humans. Anytime you have a pet, I guess you're violating habeas corpus for animals. But habeas corpus is the law that says you know you're not allowed to imprison a person if you don't have a reason. You need to have a basis to imprison somebody, obviously. And and they were claiming that the elephant has a right to habeas corpus. And this actually this was actually a court case, and thankfully the court ruled the right way. But it's it's so insane to. You know the the notion that animals have rights, but like this is like this is how these radicals on the left, this is how some of them think: is that oh, an elephant? Well, it's a it's a relatively intelligent animal, so it has rights like humans. Now you have to be compassionate. This is very important. You have to be compassionate for animals. You, You certainly have to have compassion. You have to treat animals nicely. That's true, but that's from a moral. That's not because the animal has rights. See, humans have rights. Animals don't have rights. That's why you can kill an animal the right way and eat an animal because animals are there to serve humans. So it doesn't mean that you can, you know, we try obviously to alleviate as much pain as possible, of course. You know, we're not going to get into all the hashkafa right now behind that, but just on a very, very basic level, as we all know, you know, animals don't have rights. Animals are not humans. That doesn't mean you should not be compassionate. To animals, But when you're being compassionate, it's because as a human being, you're the one deciding to treat an animal humanely, to treat an animal with compassion. But like habeas corpus, like animal rights, I mean that's just absurd. That absolutely makes no sense. All right, so as I said, the New York Times and many other news outlets, they either ignored the Brett Kavanaugh assassin or if they did mention it, it was like totally buried. So listen to this clip of – liberal, liberal Bill Maher. He's, he's no right-winger. He's pretty liberal, and yet he is blasting the New York Times. Listen to this.
1: That's, I will agree with you that... It's more of a case of media bias. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you hadn't seen the story, somebody came to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Yes, two days and, ago. Okay, and I'm, I'm even with you on this one. Good. <laughs> Okay. And uh, they stopped him. Okay. But he was hes from California. Uh, he could have been inspired His by yeah, yeah, Chuck Schumer said some very inflammatory words, the kind of thing that people on the right say. And then there's a horrible shooting and they blame it. It, it right. is rather comparable. Right. And Chuck Schumer did walk it back. Nobody on the right ever does mm. that. He did. I saw this. No, he did. He said, look, we from Brooklyn, we speak too strongly. He said something about how Oh, you know, uh, they were talking about Brett, this guy was upset that Brett Kavanaugh is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Okay? Yeah. And, (laughs) interesting, upset about that he wasn't doing enough for gun control and then shows up with guns to kill him. Exactly. (laughs) So, again, cuckoo people do cuckoo things. Okay. The point is, I think your point, and the point I would agree with is, the new york times buried this yeah it was like been. the fold a, if 8. this 8. had been a liberal supreme court justice that someone came to kill it not would have been me. on the it would have been on the front page and that's what's so disappointing about a paper like the new york times because they just wear their bias on their sleeves and they if it's not part of something that feeds our narrative and we they're protesting.
0: It. there you go it doesn't fit their narrative it doesn't fit the narrative of the media—if this was Sotomayor, if this was Elena Kagan, if this was a leftist conservative, if this was if this was Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, who doesn't know what a woman is, right? The media would be all over this. And we told you, Nancy Pelosi—they finally voted on that bill to increase funding for protection for Supreme Court justices, but it took an extra bunch of days. And it's outrageous. I mean, it's just—it's just egregious. But it, it literally, and there have been a, a bunch of. Um, Pro-life clinics have been, or or, or, or pro-life agencies, um, ever since the leak of that of, of that draft opinion by the Supreme Court, a, the, a bunch of them have been either firebombed or have been threatened. But there have actually been a bunch that have been firebombed. The media is totally ignoring the story. So whenever there's violence done by somebody on the radical right, on the far right, whenever there's white white supremacist who decides to go and shoot people, you know, or ever, whenever there's a threat on somebody on the left, on a Democrat. Then the media jumps on it, the media is all over it, and of course they're blaming Trump and they're blaming Trump's vitriol and his rhetoric. But when the exact same thing happens on the other side, the media totally ignores it because it does not fit their narrative. All right, I wanted to mention there was a debate several nights ago, there was a debate this week um, for the Republican gubernatorial primary, okay? The Republican primary for governor in New York State. There are four candidates, but really three main candidates. Uh, uh, and and by the way, a Republican may win. Gov- Governor Kathy Hochul in New York is extremely unpopular. Obviously, crime is rampant in New York, and uh, Hochul basically refuses to do anything about it. People in New York are are just f- livid. People cannot stand the state of New York, New York City, but especially the you know the entire state. Um, come you know comes down to Albany and and, and Governor Hochul and her policies, especially with the, with the with the no cash bail and all of that. But uh, So there's a good chance that a Republican actually might pull through and 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 become the governor of New York State. That hasn't happened, obviously, in a very long time since Governor Pataki. The three main candidates are Andrew Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, and Rob Astorino. And uh, by the way, Andrew Giuliani arguably won the debate. He came off very, very positive. He stayed on message. They tried to trap him a couple of times, and um he basically called them out on it, and, and he said, like, you know, why are you trying to trap me? Like, you know, I'm trying to get a message across, but... You know, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astrella—they kind of they, they they were doing some mudslinging. They were they got really you know personal with the attacks against each other. But uh, so Andrew Giuliani arguably won that debate. Interesting. We're going to keep an eye on that. But what's you know was was what, what I wanted to mention about this debate is that they actually uh, they banned Andrew Giuliani from appearing in person. They forced him to appear remotely, like like via video hookup, because he's not vaccinated for COVID. And it's just absurd. There is no science behind this. Giuliani's not 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 vaccinated for COVID, so that he was not allowed to participate in the event in person. He had to do it from a remote location via um, video hookup. And like, come on! I mean, are you kidding me? Number one, some of the other candidates who were vaccinated, they were vaccinated a long time ago. Vaccines probably wore off. But this is this is nothing to do with science. I mean, there's so he could have stayed far away. There's so many options. And you can transmit the virus, it's like absurd, on the very same day. The very same day, Justin Trudeau, Canadian Prime Minister, who's like triple-vaxxed or quadruple-vaxxed, he announced that he tested positive for COVID on the same day of this debate. Okay, so no matter how vaxxed you are, you can get COVID. It, it simply, as we know, it does not, vaccination, booster, all that stuff does not prevent COVID, which means that it can be transmitted, it may make the the, the symptoms more mild. Even that's really up for question right now, because now the symptoms, you know, in most cases, if somebody's healthy, the symptoms right now of COVID are extremely mild if they're there at all. So I I mean, come on, does anybody really think the vaccine does very much at this point? I doubt it. But, But Justin Trudeau, and again, don't listen to my medical advice, as I always say, talk to your doctor, make your own medical informed decision. But it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to ban him. There is no science. It's because they treat number one, it's because he's a Republican and it's because they treat people who are not vaccinated like second-class citizens. It's political. It's not science-based. It's not health-based. It's, it's absurd. And these people, that, that it, it's totally irrational, the way they discriminate against people who aren't vaxxed. And, as I said, Trudeau Triple quadruple vaxxed. He was actually exposed to President Biden a few days before he tested positive, and then boom, he tested positive. Now, now Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci is also like triple vaxxed and then double boosted or something like that, and and, and he tested positive for COVID. So, the, the the vaccine does not prevent COVID. So the whole point: why why are you not letting Giuliani? Giuliani doesn't mind taking the risk himself, right? Why are you not letting him show up there because he's not vaxxed? so you worried he's going to he's going to pass it along to someone else? Well, there's just as much of a likelihood. Of someone who is vaxxed, passing it along. Look, look at Trudeau. Look at, look at Dr. Fauci. So I wanted to mention that um, President Trump just continues his, his. The candidates endorsed by President Trump continue to win. It's, it, it's just his his track record here is just amazing. Trump, like as I keep saying, what anything he touches turns to gold. If he endorses a candidate, I don't care how big an underdog the candidate is, the candidate almost always wins. Trump is now a hundred. Twenty nine to eight and eight in his primary choices, his primary endorsements out of two hundred and thirty seven. I'm sorry, one hundred and thirty seven. One twenty nine plus eight that would be one hundred and thirty seven, not two hundred and thirty seven. Thank you. Good, good, good. High level math there. So, out of one hundred and thirty seven candidates that Trump has endorsed thus far who have had primaries. 129 won, eight lost, and of those eight, you know, a bunch of them were in Georgia, and of course, you know, that was where Trump had kind of his revenge endorsements, where he was not happy with the people who did not support him in Georgia and did not support his claims of election fraud. Um, As I said, Ocasio Cortez refused to endorse Biden. You know what? We're going to try to find that clip. Here's a clip of Ocasio being asked. Would you endorse President Biden if he decides to run again in 2024? Take a listen.
1: Before we go, I just want to ask uh, about President Biden. He is saying he's going to run again in 2024. Will you support him? You know, if the president chooses uh, to run again in 2024, I mean, first of all, I'm focused on winning this majority right now uh, and preserving a majority this year in 2022. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But um, but I think if if the president has a vision, then that's something certainly we're all willing to entertain and examine when the when the time comes. That's not a yes. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we should endorse when we get to it. But I I believe that the president has been doing a very good job uh, so far. And, um, you know, should he run again? I think that I you know, I think it's it's we'll take a look at it. (laughs) But right now we need to focus on winning a majority instead of a presidential election. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it of course. Thank you so much.
0: So there you have it. That was CNN. That was Dana Bash. And uh, she she eventually says, you know, that's not a yes. And Ocasio basically agreed. Yeah, it's not a yes. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. And then she laughed. She she just like, she laughed it off. like it, 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 It's like a joke. And and look what Democrat in their right mind. I mean, they are trying to run as far away as they can from Biden. And, and Ocasio at one point says, you know, I think Joe Biden's done a very good job. No, she does not. I mean, uh, even Ocasio, I, 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 who's just completely ignorant and not not very intelligent, even she knows that Joe Biden has not done a very good job. I wanted to mention another story, which is the Supreme Court is going to be ruling in the next few days on a case of there was a football coach back in 2015, a football coach who after a game, this is he was a football coach at a public school, and after each game, he would kneel down and pray. He would kneel down on the field and pray following the game. And um the school actually fired him. the school either forced him not to pray or the school fired him one of the two, but the school basically said to him you you're not allowed to pray and um and he sued he, he he filed a lawsuit and it's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. He filed a lawsuit against the public school saying, "Of course I am I have freedom of religion I am allowed to pray and 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 it seems that the argument has something to do with the establishment cause. It seems that uh, the case has is connected to the separation of um of religion and state, you know, essentially making the case that, listen, it's a public school. So prayer by a coach um, somehow is a violation of the Constitution, which, if anything, it's the opposite. This man has a constitutional right. He was not forcing uh, other students to pray with him. Some of them joined him of their own volition. He was not forcing anybody else to do it. So the point that I just want to make about this, look, the legality is decided. Look, it, it is believed, widely believed, that the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of this coach. Obviously, the Supreme Court right now is, you know, pretty conservative, heavily, heavily conservative. But um that's not even the point. I, I, I want to make a different point. The legality aside, to me, it seems like a no brainer. If he's not forcing anybody else, it's not like part of the school curriculum. If there's a public school and, um, you know, let's say there's a. Let's say there's a, there's a Jew. Let's say there's a religious Jew who teaches in, in a public school, and then during a break, he goes and he decides that he's going to do He goes he decides that he's going to say prayers somewhere in a corner, right, in the public school, and he doesn't bother anybody with it. I mean how on earth is he not allowed to do that? How on earth is that a, is that a constitutional violation? It makes no sense. That's exactly what was happening here. But my point is on a deeper level that liberals cannot stand Religion, why are liberals so threatened by this? They're so threatened by prayer, they're so threatened by religion. It's not because, I mean, these, these are the same Democrats who they're trying to invade yeshivas in New York and they're trying to take over the curriculum and determine, you know, a lot more, forced, forced yeshivas to teach a lot more secular studies, right? So what's that all about? What, what happened to the Constitution there, right? The separation of religion and state. That's not what they care about. They, they despise anything involving religion. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but you know, at its core, you know the real reason? Because they view humans, I I, I really believe this, the doctrine of liberals and Democrats is they view humans as being the ones in total control. Humans are the ones, that's why so many Democrat policies, right? Climate change. Humans can control climate change, right? Humans can fight poverty. Humans know how. They, They love big government. Why do they love big government? Because when there's a crisis, they love control. So control has a lot to do with it. But the ideology is we as humans we know better than anybody else and, and and the idea of like praying to a higher power to of like recognizing a higher power recognizing that the world has inherent morality you know the the liberals believe that you can pick whatever gender you are you 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 can you can kill the fetus it's like whatever we decide logically that's our moral code the idea that there's a there's a moral there's a true inherent morality the idea of recognizing a, a supreme authority a supreme being that that is something that liberals they just absolutely refuse to accept. That's why they're so threatened by this coach. They can't stand it. They see this coach getting down. You know, they want somebody to take a knee uh, 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 during the national anthem at a football game, but not to actually kneel down in prayer. Elon Omar put out a tweet um, basically blasting the U.S. government for, for, for Guantanamo detainees. She claims that the government is torturing Guantanamo detainees. And that um, th- th- they're not even allowed to be detained anymore. And this is totally, totally outrageous what Elon Omar has done here. Elon Omar put out a tweet. Essentially, uh, there have been new photos released of Guantanamo Bay and of these prisoners being held. And some of them look looks like these prisoners. Now, now these photos are years old. They were released because of the Freedom of Information Act. The uh, New York Times filed some kind of um, request from. Freedom of Information Act to, to get these uh, images released. So the first set have been released, and some of them may be many, many, many years old, but they don't look so bad anyway. But the point is that Elon uh, Omar, she put out a tweet blasting Guantanamo Bay. Essentially, she's really blasting Biden because Biden now is in charge of Guantanamo Bay. And by the way, Obama, Obama pledged to close down Guantanamo Bay. He kept it open for eight years, which is hypocrisy. But why did he do that? He said, first thing in office, I'm going to, I'm going to, Closed down Guantanamo Bay. Eight years later, it was still open. He released a bunch of prisoners. Um, Bush actually released over 500 Guantanamo detainees. Obama released 200. But, uh, of course, because as a president, as a candidate, you could just say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to close it down because, you know, what do you know? You don't know anything about national security and the threat and these evil, vicious monsters, these terrorists who are being held at Guantanamo. The people being held at Guantanamo, I wouldn't even call them people. They're subhuman, but they are the most Evil monsters on the planet. There's only 39 left. They've they, they've they've released every other prisoner. The 39 that are still there, including KSM, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the um the the, the mastermind behind 911, and including a bunch of bodyguards of of Osama bin Laden. I mean, these people are, are are evil terrorists. And the ones that have been released, many of them, by the way, go back to to joining terror cells again and go back to becoming terrorists. But these, the ones who are still there. Nobody wants them. Obama tried to release some of them. There's no country that's willing to take them. But uh, here, I just want to read you um, this tweet from Elon Omar. Quote, there are no circumstances. She put out a picture of this. There are no circumstances where this should be okay. Illegally imprisoned people who have not been charged with a crime are still being tortured at Gitmo for decades. So she's lying. She's totally lying. Number one, they they, – they're not being held illegally. She wrote illegally in prison. They're not imprisoned illegally. Number two, that she wrote they're being tortured. They're not being tortured. They live very well. Remember when Biden, he was actually going to send Guantanamo detainees. He was going to send them COVID vaccines before most, of, most Americans got access to COVID vaccines. Biden was going to send them COVID vaccines. And then in the end... They um, they canceled that plan, but only because they got so much backlash. But, but they're not there illegally. They don't have to be charged with a crime. They're not being tortured, but they don't have to be charged with a crime. They have no due process. A court ruled, these are not American citizens. These are enemy combatants. They're terrorists. They're literally radical Islamists. I mean, they're they're just the worst people on the planet. And they're a major threat. And uh, there is no due process. So, you know, see, so Omar, it's just a lie. And, uh, and, and her issue, by the way, is with Obama and Biden because Obama – held these people in prison for eight years. This is like this little secret that the media doesn't like to talk about. All right, Corine Jean-Pierre continues to humiliate herself. I mean, she's just a disaster. I know I keep saying it. You know, I'm like a broken record. But here's a clip. She was asked if she had any updates. She was asked this week, do you have any updates about the baby formula? She literally, she's leafing through her notes. She was silent for a total of 20 seconds before she figured out that, that no, I don't have any new updates. Listen to this clip.
1: First, um, what is the White House... What is the latest update the White House has received on the current inf- formula situation across the country? Yeah, let me see if I have anything new for you on that. Uh, so I think it's been a couple of days since we have asked, been asked that question. Okay. I don't have anything new. I know we made some announcements last week. Uh, I don't. I just don't have them in front of me. But if you want to come back and we'll we'll talk through uh, the things that we have been able to do in the past. Well, the most recent activities that we've done.
0: So there's Corinne Jean Pierre. I mean, it's just so embarrassing. But it's like it's baby formula. This is like the number one issue. You know, you're going to get asked about baby formula. This is like a burning question on the minds of certainly reporters and millions and millions of Americans with little babies who are desperate for baby formula, want to know the end of the shortage, when it's coming and want an update. It's been days. She admitted it's been days since a, since an update and she had nothing like you don't. How do you not have that at the top of your mind? How do you not have that at the tip of your tongue? And then you're going and searching through your notes and you look silly. I mean, she she is she's up there. She is clueless. She's a deer in the headlights. She does not understand the questions they ask her. She doesn't know how to respond. It's cringe-worthy. I mean, I, I never said this about Jem Saki. I had other issues with Jem Saki. Jem Saki, she dodges questions. She manipulates reporters. Jem Saki, you, know, you know, her issue was not an issue of intelligence. It was that, you know, she um, she was very good at being manipulative and, like, you know, just totally dancing around the question. But she understood what was going on. You know, she was just, like, very condescending and arrogant and acted like she was answering questions she w- she was totally ignoring. But Karine Jean Pierre, it's just kind of like it's like she's a little kid. It's like uh, mommy. Like you know, can, so, can somebody maybe help me here? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I, I don't really understand like what all these people are screaming at me about. And then here's another clip. You know, she was trying to claim that Americans are actually happy with their personal financial situation. I, I don't know how she could have believed this. And Peter Doocy, Fox's Peter Doocy, just challenged her on it and said. Um, nope there's nothing positive there's nothing to be happy about listen to this clip but to the point about you're, you're saying that people feel good about their personal financial situation high gas prices people can't get baby formula the supply chain is messed up uh, everything is more expensive but where's the good part
1: so the survey that I just read off started in 2013 and that is the first time that we saw numbers like this since 2013 so that does mean no that does mean something just like you gave me 83 percent
0: I'm giving that, you newer I, than 2013 61 percent are saying now in this Wall Street Journal poll they're generally pessimistic about people having an opportunity to achieve the american dream how's that going to look on a a bumper i guess what i'm I'm trying to say
1: peter is that we understand that people are feeling feeling this they're feeling uh the increase of prices uh which with food in particular right now and gas that is that is something that we understand
0: i mean you cannot make this stuff up i mean it, it would almost be comical if it wasn't so sad all right Uh, I I did want to get to Iran. Didn't have a chance to last time. So let's talk about Iran for a moment. Um, It's just incredible. Number one, how unlucky are these Iranian terrorists? Because they just keep dropping like flies. They just keep having these mystery deaths that uh, these, these Iranian terrorists, I mean, they're just the unluckiest people on the planet. But seriously speaking, number one, so the two more have died. So there's been like five mystery deaths of Iranian terrorists and top scientists um, and we, we know, yeah it's just an accident, It's just a random coincidence, right? We, we, we know who's behind that, but before that, I want to mention that it, the Iranians they're, they're really really close to a nuclear weapon. They're like uh, according to the according to the most I guess you'd call it conservative estimates, meaning according to the the, the even the longest longest estimate, that Iran has is a matter of weeks. They're they're literally weeks away. They're enriching uranium to a very high degree of purity. They're they're really close to nukes. They have like, they have all the ingredients. Just a question of putting it all together. And they're and they're telling that's what the intel assessments are saying. But they're telling us this: the Iranians are like, they're admitting it. They're saying, yeah, we're enriching uranium and stockpiling it to a very high degree of purity. We're totally, totally breaching the deal. Well, what's being done about that? Well, how are they being punished? Well, they're not. They're not being punished. Nobody's doing a thing except for. You know, the Mossad causing these mystery accidents, quote-unquote accidents, to keep happening to these Iranian scientists. But meanwhile, Iran, they're removing 27 UN surveillance cameras from their nuclear facilities. They're getting rid of cameras. They are taking away cameras from their nuclear facilities. Now, what's the point? And, and everyone's all outraged. The IAEA, Rafael Grossi, the head of the IAEA, um, you know, that's the UN nuclear watchdog, he's he's all up in arms. The Iranians, they're, they keep toying with us and they keep manipulating and messing with us. What difference does it make? Like, you're looking with the cameras. What are you seeing? We know that they're enriching uranium. So, like, what are you looking? to, to, to you checking the camera to see, well, are they really enriching uranium? Well, they're telling you they're enriching uranium. You look at the camera and you see they're enriching uranium. Are you going to say, all right, we better crack down. They told you they're enriching uranium and you didn't do anything about it. So, like, what's the point of the cameras? Can I ask that? But obviously... It's a major slap in the face that Iran is saying, hey, we're getting rid of 27 surveillance cameras from these nuclear facilities, and yet nobody's doing a thing about it. So you know, we know they have these ICBM missiles, and as I said, I mean, how does the UN – like the UN – like if they have these cameras, then the UN is going to feel really dumb because they're going to see on camera that they're enriching uranium. Now they can kind of like pretend that it's not happening even though – we know it's happening. Rafal Grossi, director general of the IAEA, he said that this move of the Iranians getting rid of these cameras poses a serious challenge to its efforts to try to curtail Iran's nuclear program. No kidding. And he says that in three to four weeks, um, it's, they're not going to be able to maintain a continuity of knowledge about Iran's nuclear program. It would be a fatal blow to negotiations uh, over the Iranian nuclear deal. I mean, really? Like... This poses a serious challenge. How about the fact that the Iranians are weeks away from a nuclear weapon, and every time the Biden people try to negotiate with Iran, Iran keeps coming up with new excuses, more excuses why they don't want to sign a deal, get back in a deal. Of course not, because the Iranians, they're good right now. They're in exactly the position they want to be. The san- Many sanctions have been lifted, not all, but many sanctions have been lifted. The Iranians, they're selling oil with, to Russia, to China, making all, cutting all sorts of deals, so the Iranians are... Making a lot of money again, not like under Trump, where the, the the Iranian economy was crumbling. They're doing much better now, thanks to Biden, and yet they're not being punished for breaching the nuclear deal, which they're doing repeatedly. So the U.S. is a laughing stock. Biden is a laughing stock. It's like the Iranians like they, they keep toying with him, stalling on these negotiations, acting as though like they're negotiating in good faith, and meanwhile, they're, it's so clear what they're doing. I mean, all these countries are just. They're laughing at Biden, Biden like he's a mockery, like he's so weak and so pathetic. And they know it. They know it. Somebody pointed out, you know, they watch the same video clips of Biden that we do. So they know they're they're dealing with a a man who's just not only a lightweight, but just literally has just no clue what's going on. And and they're meanwhile developing a nuke and get and uh, getting zero consequences in return. Meanwhile, like I said, a bunch of top Iranian Scientists and terrorists keep dying. Five deaths in three weeks. An Iranian missile scientist was intentionally poisoned last week. Dr. Ayub Entazari, aerospace engineer, involved in Iran's missile and drone development. He died after attending a dinner party. So, gee whiz. He was um, top, top, top person in Iran's drone missile development program, the scientist. And then he was mysteriously poisoned. Uh, You have to wonder... Just so unlucky. Uh, and the report of his death came just one day after the accidental death of Colonel Ali Esmalzada, okay, a commander of the IRGC of the Quds Force, okay, the most evil terrorist group on the planet. Um, but that, this was an accidental death. He, was, he fell off the roof. He fell off the roof of his home. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. Then there were two more deaths this week, supposedly by accident. An aerospace expert died in a car accident while he was on a mission. The, the Iranians have not described what the mission was, but they say that he was a martyr who died defending his homeland during the mission, but did not provide any further details. And then another scientist mysteriously perished as well. All right. We got Biden restoring a direct channel with the Palestinians. Look, a caller asked me. All right. I guess we got to really wrap things up here, but a, a caller asked me the following question. He said, you know, I, I, I was, I criticized Chuck Schumer. For giving out the addresses of Supreme Court justices and basically telling people to go and protest when you know what's going to happen. I mean, you know that the, the, the that just one crazy person has the address of this, uh, uh, Supreme Court justice that, that, that they're not happy with. And, uh, it's, if somebody's mentally ill enough, deranged enough, violent enough, then that could be very, very dangerous. I, I don't care if it's a mostly peaceful protest. It only takes one. That was my issue with Schumer. And Nicola said, well, how is that different than Trump? Trump at the Capitol. Wasn't Trump telling people to protest at the Capitol? To me, it's totally different. I mean, and again, you know, I'm open. If somebody thinks it's the same thing, look, you know, you want to criticize Trump, you can criticize Trump. Trump told peace, told told peace, told people, I'm sorry, told the supporters to peacefully protest at the Capitol. Okay. He told them that they should do it peacefully. You're going to tell me, well, Schumer also told, told uh, people to protest peacefully. Yeah, but you're talking about giving away the home address of a Supreme Court justice. That's my issue, is that. Trump was saying, "Listen, this is the this this is the U.S. Capitol. This is Washington D.C. Number one, the Capitol, it should be heavily heavily secured. It's not like somebody's house, okay? It's not Judge Kavanaugh's house. We're talking about the U.S. Capitol. We're talking about the most secure. I mean, Trump wanted the National Guard there. Like, it should be very very um, able to be secured, okay? This is total incompetence. I don't know if it's Pelosi or, or the Capitol Police, but like, it is inexcusable, inexcusable that they couldn't lock down the Capitol. That's not on Trump." Uh, the, it's the capital. It's U.S. capital. It's literally the most sa- – it should be the safest place on the planet, period. And, and you can't pay anything to Kavanaugh's house, so I'm sorry. You know, it just, it just To me, there's absolutely no comparison. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.